The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Disability Matters with your host, Joyce Bender. All comments, views, and opinions expressed on this show are solely those of the host, guest, and callers. Now the host of Disability Matters, here's Joyce Bender. Hey, welcome to the show and National Epilepsy Awareness Month. As you all know, November is the month that's very special to me. I am a woman living with epilepsy, and that's why the whole month of November, which again is Epilepsy Awareness Month, the whole month of November, I like to dedicate to epilepsy and to people making a difference uh, in the world of epilepsy. And that is why I am so excited today to have someone I really love. She is the president and CEO of the Epilepsy Foundation of Western and Central PA right in my hometown of Pittsburgh. So we already know that I think this is the best affiliate in the United States. And it is so wonderful to have Peggy with us. Peggy, how are you today? I'm fantastic, Joyce. Thanks for having me. It's a beautiful day in Pittsburgh and a wonderful day to be celebrating our veterans. And um, I'm very happy to be here with you. Well, I'm glad you brought that up because one of the things, and I will only take a minute, but one of the things I wanted to share with all of you is many veterans, you know, traumatic brain injury is one of the main injuries, that in post-traumatic stress disorder. And many of those veterans with disabilities end up with epilepsy. And many of those end up homeless. So I say to all of you right now, you know how to celebrate Veterans Day, hire a veteran. That's how you can celebrate this day. Hire a veteran with a disability seeking employment. And to all veterans across America, thank you. Thank you for serving our country. And also a special shout-out to Yoshiko Dart, who is the wife of the late Justin Dart and is always out there supporting all of us including people living with epilepsy. So, Peggy, how, how did you first get involved with the Epilepsy Foundation? Um, well, Joyce, I initially got involved with the epilepsy movement through legislative advocacy. Um, my early roots in the disability movement were with um, public policy and, and um, advocacy. I worked early in my career with an ARC chapter and... Um, worked with some state legislators who had suggested that I get involved with um, Judy Painter at the time, who was our former CEO here at the Epilepsy Foundation, and asked me if I would have lunch with Judy and talk with her a little bit about public policy and what was happening in Pennsylvania with public policy advocacy for um, folks who have epilepsy and um, so I did that, and we talked a couple times, and um, that actually led to a job offer, and I've been here and been involved ever since. So um, 
That was back in 93, and shortly after that was the uh, first time we were able to get some funding in the state budget back in 94, 95 to support services for people in Pennsylvania who have epilepsy or seizures. Wow. Well, you definitely know the history of the Epilepsy Foundation of Western and Central PA because you've been there really from the beginning, as you said, when we got funding. But, Peggy, my question is also, you know, here you were an advocate with the ARC. Why? What made you want to be an advocate? Well, you know, I think I probably have to credit my mother with that, Um you know, I, I grew up in a very large family, um, and I just came from a family where giving back to the community, being a part of the community, um, was very important. Um, it was just sort of a given that you would be um, involved in some way in the community, and I didn't particularly have an interest in going the corporate route. So. <laughs> Um, most of the people in my family did one or the other, either went into caring professions or went into um, corporate jobs and then gave back to the community uh, through other, you know, being able to, to support things through their companies and their corporations. Um, and I, I don't know, I just always kind of had an interest in the public policy aspects of it because I felt like that was really an opportunity for me to have um, some, some um, small play, some small part in really trying to create change and trying to support other people who are trying to create change. Well, what a good person you are! And you know, too bad more people don't think like that. But we thank you for all you've given back, uh, Peggy, and the Epilepsy Foundation of Western. At Citro PA, first of all, when I first talk about it, people always say to me, oh, you mean Pittsburgh? And I say, no, Western and Central PA. So it's really larger than people may think that live in Pittsburgh. Um, I thought maybe you could tell a little bit about that to our listeners, you know, the region you cover, and also what some of our major programs are. Sure, sure. We um, cover 49 counties in Western and Central Pennsylvania, um, do our best to provide as many supports and, and as much education as we can in those counties. Um, we have a physical office presence in um, three regions. We like to consider them re- a regional presence. Of course, our largest is here in the Pittsburgh area. Um, we also have an office in Johnstown, and we have an office in Harrisburg. So. Um, but we provide services basically from Erie to just east of Harrisburg. So it, geographically, it is a very large footprint, um, which is sometimes challenging to uh, manage, um, getting around to as many of those places as we can, but we have a lot of support from the community. We have a lot of volunteers and a lot of families that are involved in helping us to do that. Um, I think our... Probably our most um, well-known, our most pro- prominent programs are the things that we do um, through education. We have a really fantastic program that provides education and support in the schools. We do a lot of work with school nurses, um, a lot of work with teachers and with the student body, trying to make sure that people know what to do if somebody has a seizure, know how to support a student who might have 
learning issues that might be associated with their epilepsy, that sort of thing. Um, so last year we probably saw about 10,000 people in the school system and provided education to them in those 49 counties. So that's, a, wow. that's one of our bigger programs. 10,000 people, you mean the teachers and nurses and the children impacted? Yeah. 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 Wow. So that's one of our bigger programs. Um, we also have a summer program, a summer camp program that everybody loves. Everybody loves going to summer camp. Um, and that's a um, nationally recognized program because we don't just we don't segregate the children in any way. We um, completely integrate those kids into an existing YMCA camp program. Um, we do put additional medical supports into the YMCA program, so we do that one week up at a program in Erie, around the Erie, Pennsylvania area with um, Camp Fitch, which is a YMCA program, and we also do it in the central part of the state with Camp Conrad Weiser. So we do take a a pediatric neurologist and a nurse from Children's Hospital with us, and we take some extra counselors. But basically the kids are just there with, you know, 250 other kids that happen to be at camp, so it's um, they're... Seizures are not emphasized. Being at camp and having fun and being independent is really what's emphasized. Um, We also do a lot of just general, what I sort of like to consider or what I've always called kinds of best best guidance, best case advice kinds of things. You know, we don't have nurses and doctors on staff, but oftentimes people are just looking for a little bit of guidance when they call us. So a lot of information and referral to other agencies, a lot of problem-solving kinds of things. So um, last year we probably served um, about 2,200 families through those kinds of activities where we just kind of are here. People can call us, ask us about diagnosis, ask us about treatments, ask us about new treatments, find out where, you know, where do they go to get new information about newer things that maybe you know, weren't available the last time they asked for a a comprehensive evaluation of their seizures and their condition, that kind of thing. So lots and lots of education. We have an an emergency medication program for people if they find themselves in a position where they can't afford their medicine. We really want people to call us so that they can get their medicine. I mean, the last thing anybody should do is go without their medicine. So, you know, we help people through those issues with health insurance and, you know, connect them with resources where they can find a job and, you know, try to come up with long-term solutions to those economic issues that they might be confronted with and those kinds of things. So, um, you know, I always say to people, Joyce, the only thing I can say to them about epilepsy for sure is that their seizures and their condition and their experience will be as individual as they are. And so... We really try to deliver our services that way as well. So when somebody calls us for help, we really try to just listen and figure out what it is they need and then try to tailor our programs as much as we can to them. Um, and so a good example of, <clears throat> of, of that kind of service as well is our Start Smart program. Um, which we deliver through a partnership with UPMC Health Plan. Um, so if a child has a UPMC Health Plan insurance um, coverage, we work with them 
to really help the family put together a really strong seizure self-management plan for the child, um, and we can kind of work with the family to address all of the child's issues, the health issues, the socioeconomic issues, um, kind of working down the line. And they have access not just to our support, but then also to a specialized nurse case manager through the health plan as well. So we really try to individualize as much as we can um, across the board, be it for children or adults or, you know, well, you know through our support groups or um, what, whatever we're doing, you know. And we're always trying to do more and more things that are new and unique and hopefully will help people to live more independently and um, be more successful. You know, that as you hear all these wonderful things that Peggy's talking about, the Epilepsy Foundation of Western and Central PA, Peggy, what is the website? The website is www.efwp.org. What is that again? www.efwp.org. Why I brought that up, folks, you know, this holiday season, everyone's thinking, where can I make a contribution? I would appreciate it if you would consider the Epilepsy Foundation of Western and Central PA. You see all the great things that we're doing, and you see all the things we're doing, not only to help families, but to help people that truly are without. So you know what? I don't care what the contribution is. Think about it. Make a contribution. And we'll be right back to talk more to Peggy, the CEO of the Epilepsy Foundation of Western and Central PA, Peggy Beam Jelly. This is Joyce Bender, America's Voice, where disability matters at voiceamerica.com as we celebrate Epilepsy Awareness Month. We'll be right back. Your voice counts. Call toll-free 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. VoiceAmerica.com. At Bender Consulting Services Incorporated, our mission is to provide superior technology consulting services to our customers while creating career opportunities, independence, and freedom for people with disabilities. While the demand for skilled technology professionals is reaching an all-time high, over 13 million disabled Americans, many of them experts in technology, remain unemployed. Since 1995, Bender Consulting Services Incorporated has worked to solve these critical social and business issues by providing employers with reliable talent and giving individuals with disabilities the chance to display their talents and enhance their lives through solid careers. If you're a person with a disability seeking employment, send us your resume via email to resume at benderconsult.com. For more information about our services, visit www.benderconsult.com in the U.S. and www.benderofcanada.com in Canada. Bender Consulting Services Incorporated, providing and creating employment opportunities, freedom and independence for people with disabilities. www.benderconsult.com. Hi, I'm Greg Grunberg from the TV show Heroes. 
One of my personal heroes is my son, who, like more than three million Americans, has epilepsy. When someone with epilepsy is having a seizure, their brain is temporarily producing more electricity than their body can handle. They can shake or stare or fall down. They can also even briefly lose consciousness. If you see someone having a seizure, please make sure they're comfortable and safe. And within a few minutes or less, the electrical overload will stop and they will be okay. To learn more, visit epilepsyfoundation.org. Thank you. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com If you have a question or comment, call in toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. Now please welcome back the host of Disability Matters, here's Joy Spender. Hey, welcome back everyone. We're celebrating the month of November, Epilepsy Awareness Month. And our guest today, Peggy Beam Jelly, is the president and CEO of the Epilepsy Foundation of Western and Central PA. Uh, and Peggy, you know, when they did that study two years ago that you from the IOM, the Institute on Medicine, with that uh, publication that came out, The Epilepsy Spectrum, I could not believe when it came out that there were one in 26 people living with epilepsy. Right, right. I mean, that that's just, when I tell people this, they'll say, what, one in 26 people will have epilepsy in their lifetime? And when I tell them, they, they can't believe it. They cannot believe it. My question to you is, you know, there are all these uh, autism, Parkinson's, <coughs> that people know about. One in 26 is huge. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. why do you think so few people know about this disorder? Well, you know, that's, that's I, I guess, our age-old question and our movement, isn't it, Joyce? I mean, um, I, I agree with you. I think that when people are confronted with that statistic, they find it astounding, um, and it's, it's, it's almost impossible to ignore. Um, I think that, I, I think that it's, a question that's very closely linked to the issue of stigma, frankly. I think that um, people don't talk about epilepsy. And I think they don't talk about it for good reason, for the most part. I mean, you know, we don't have, you know, we don't have a lot of spokespeople. Um, and People, you know, epilepsy certainly is a spectrum disorder. I think that was the other thing that came out of the, the Institute of Medicine report that really kind of helped to put some focus on epilepsy and make it a little bit easier to talk about epilepsy that, that you know, at least we didn't when I first started working with epilepsy 20 years ago. Um, we didn't talk about it necessarily as being a spectrum condition, um, but... You know, Joyce, you know as well as I do that despite everyone's efforts and despite all of the advancement we have made as a civilization towards dispelling discrimination and that sort of thing, people who live with epilepsy and seizures still are confronted with discrimination every day. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, and if that wasn't the case... Why would there be so many people working in corporate America that will not disclose they have epilepsy? Exactly, exactly. I mean, it happens, and it's difficult. So it's difficult to put on those. You know, when you know it happens, 
it's difficult to then say to those people, it's your responsibility to make this go away by confronting it, by talking about it, by, you know, and, and so it, it, it's, those two things are so, go so hand in hand. And so that's why it's been so remarkable that people like Greg Grumberg with his Talk About It campaign have been so helpful um, because I do think that that's making a difference. I do think it's making a difference for younger people in particular to feel more comfortable talking about it. Um, and I do think the one in 26 statistic and, and the Institute of Medicine report are making it a lot easier to talk about. And I think, frankly, the Institute of Medicine report is helping <clears throat> to elevate epilepsy to more of a public health issue. Um, I think that up until recently, people have thought of epilepsy as a young childhood issue. I think people have thought about it as something that kids had to deal with, but, you know, at some point they got to a point where it kind of went away. Um, and that we just, it's not the case. I mean, it's just absolutely not the case. I mean, it's a lifelong condition for most people who are diagnosed with epilepsy. And you and I know that more people are now diagnosed with epilepsy, first-time diagnosis, later in life than young children. So I think as more and more people in public policy, public policy and in public health policy in particular are educated about those kinds of issues, um, epilepsy and, and seizure management will be elevated um, in public policy dialogue, and, and that certainly will be helpful. But, I mean, at the end of the day, people don't know about it because people have only been talking about it for 20 years, you know, <laughs> even though it has been around since the dawn of time people, by and large, have not discussed it, certainly not outside their I, family. I think, I think it's the seizure itself. You know, the people are ashamed they have mm -hmm. a seizure. Mm -hmm. and, but, but there is, like, this stigma and there is discrimination, and, I mean, that's a reality. As I said, I'll go speak at a company, and sometimes there will be this one person, and they will say, after they hear me speak, they'll say, all right, I never told anyone. Now, this is in front of people they work with, but I have lived with epilepsy for the past 20 years. And, oh, like everyone's so shocked right. that they never talked about it. Right. Um, that, and that's why I think it's so important, like you mentioned, Greg Rubbert, now Rich Harrison from Pawn Star, talking about the fact that he lived with epilepsy, which is so remarkable that because he was at home, a great deal of time when he wasn't well in bed, he read tons of history, and so comes Pond's Fars. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But, I mean, when people talk about it, it does help young people. It really does. It does make a difference. And <clears throat> if you're listening right now, and like me, you're living with epilepsy, don't be ashamed. You know, it's just part of who I am. And I always tell people it fits me because when you have a seizure, you have too many neurons firing off, so I just have more firepower than other people. So <laughs> <clears throat> you should think the same way. Don't be ashamed. And, you know, I do want to talk about something, um, Peggy, that people feel uncomfortable talking about in the world of epilepsy, and that is SUDEP. 
And sure. may I just mention, as you know, I was the chair of the national board of the Epilepsy Foundation. Mm-hmm. I've been on that board for a very long time. And I can tell you, until the past couple years, SUDEP was not talked about very much. Right. I didn't even know what it was until I got on the national board. Right. But it was not talked about very much. And um, I thought maybe you could take first some time, explain to everyone what that is, and then tell me your opinion of why you feel it has been kept, so to speak, in the closet. Um, well, sure. Um, as you say, it certainly is a difficult topic to discuss, um, one that I would wholeheartedly agree with you certainly needs to be discussed and needs to be discussed probably much more than we do even now. Um, but sudden unexplained death in epilepsy um, basically refers to a non-accidental death in a person who has epilepsy. So what I mean by that is that when somebody who has epilepsy dies and there's no other cause for the death that can be found, um, even when they do an autopsy, they can't point to a specific cause for the death. Um, there's no prolonged life-threatening um, disease state that's that's there. Um, the person wasn't, um, the death wasn't due to, a, to status epilepticus. Um, there wasn't a, another accident that was involved. Um, so, you know, the person didn't have a seizure and um, have a car accident, didn't have a seizure and fall down a flight of steps and have a head injury that caused the death, um, you know, or an accidental drowning, that, that sort of thing. So oftentimes... This happens, this sudden unexplained death in epilepsy oftentimes happens during sleep. So um, families will report that they have just simply found the person in bed the next morning, um, and when an autopsy is done, there's just no other cause that can be found. Um, Probably more common than any of us would like to admit to, um, maybe doesn't sound common to a lot of people, but um, there's probably, I think, about, I think the statistics are that one death per 1,000 people with epilepsy per year could be attributed to SUDEP. Um, so um, there seems to be some, there's not near enough research around this topic um, there seems to be some research that would suggest that there are some issues around apnea or heart rhythm or cardiac symptoms that are attached, but really we don't yet truly understand SUDEP. Um, the Epilepsy Foundation at the national level has a very good uh, SUDEP institute that they've put together that's looking at it and working at it very hard. Um, and I would have to say that um, you can't really talk about SUDEP without talking about the fact that it's families who have lost a loved one to SUDEP who have rightfully so brought this issue to the forefront um, because there are some risk factors that people should know about um, that 
as you say, Joyce, the medical community is not particularly comfortable talking about. Um, but, you know, we do sort of know that if somebody has been diagnosed with um, epilepsy at a very early age, um, that if they're not taking their medications as prescribed, if they stop taking their medications abruptly, um, we know that it's fairly prevalent in young adults between 20 and 40. Um, we know that um, for, what, for whatever reason, people who have intellectual um, disabilities seem to be at a little bit higher risk. Um, so, you know, people who have very, very difficult to control seizures seem to be at a higher risk. So there are some things that... You know, it sort of makes it feel like, why would a doctor not talk to me about these things if my child or if my loved one fell into some of these categories? And um, so oftentimes what seems to have happened is that a parent in particular or a um, loved one has lost a child um, or a family member suddenly, very unexpectedly, and then found out about SUDEP. Um, and so there's now this movement to educate patients about SUDEP. So um, I don't know if that is enough information to really answer people's questions about, you know, what SUDEP is. Um, there, as I said, there's a lot of good information on um, on uh, epilepsy.com and, and on our. There is a frequently asked questions about SUDAP on our website um, as well. Um, and, and there's a um, group called Partners Against Mortality and Epilepsy that holds a conference every year or every other year to try and learn more about this as well. So there is more and more research happening about it. Um, I think more and more doctors are starting to talk about it. Um, I don't think that the medical community has come to consensus around exactly when they ought to talk to patients about SUDEP. Um, it, it, it's a little bit puzzling to me, I have to say. Um, you know, it seems very hurtful to me if you have a patient that would fall into these categories that, that this could be a risk to these families and the families not know it. Um, and talking to pedi pediatric physicians and doctors about this issue, I get the sense that they sincerely feel like they don't want to panic people unnecessarily. So, um, you know, from a clinical standpoint, they feel like, they don't want every parent of every child who has seizures to feel like their child is going to die from their epilepsy. Um, and, and statistically, their children are not, you know, most children are not going to die from their seizures, um, thankfully. But if you have a child who is in these categories with these high risk factors, it certainly seems like it's something doctors ought to talk to their patients about. Um. Well, I agree with you, and I'm going to give you a couple examples going back to what you just said. If I had a child 
that was having, you know, a lot of seizures. And I thought there was a chance that they were going to stop taking their medication. I'd want to know about this because I'd be on it. You know, I would be on top of that. Or if I had a child with ongoing seizures, I would be trying everything in my power to get medication. And and I know most parents do. But there's something that happens when you know this, that you take even extra steps. And I'm not saying that you could prevent this. I mean, if this happens, it could just happen. But if you knew about it and you were educated, it would be a different world to you how you looked at all this. And I know what you mean when you said about neurologists not wanting to tell. I ask different neurologists. I've asked them, why don't you tell people about this? Oh, because it's rare. Mm -hmm. And if I tell someone this, their whole life they're going to be worried about this. And I say, hey, do you know how many medical tests you take where even though there's one chance out of a thousand that something can happen, they'll say no. You know, this right. could happen. You could have, you could die. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You could have yeah. this happen during surgery. I mean, you know, that's just how it is. Right. But you don't say, oh, then I don't want to know. You, you know what I mean? You would right. want to know. Right. Uh, just as you want to know, when you go to the hospital, you could get a staph infection. I, I mean, these are all things. So you need to wash your hands. You need to be alert. I mean, I'm not seeing why you would not be able to say this is rare, but just so you know, there are people this has happened, and that's why it's important that your child continues to take their medication and really that you just know about this. You know what I mean, Peggy? I don't get that. I I, I do, Joyce, and my fear is that it, 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 you know, one of the things that I find really um, frustrating about and, and like as, as though I have any business saying this is frustrating, but I, I often say to um, folks when I'm working with them, you know, you have to remember that although you don't, when you're having a seizure, you don't really have any firsthand knowledge of your symptoms of what the seizure is like because you're having the seizure, you are still the patient. You still get to be in charge. You still get to... I, I often fear that patients lose sight of that. And I think that, you know, for a long time, patients have just sort of, like, been expected to have seizures because they have epilepsy. Mm-hmm. And so I really <clears throat> encourage people to not accept that. And I hear physicians say that sometimes, you know, mm. like, well, this person has epilepsy. They're going to have seizures. Well, you know, that's not acceptable to us because our goal is no seizures, no side effects. Mm-hmm. So never, ever, ever give up until you get to that point. You know, you're always looking for something until you get to no seizures, no side effects. And, you know, I sort of feel like that same complacency from the medical community might be a play here with the suit-up conversation because it's, you know you're not going to talk about it because you don't think you're going to have a lot of patients who are affected by this? Well, that's a horrific thing to do to the patients who are affected by it. Here's another example. Every time you're watching television 
and they're talking about, I don't care if it's Lipitor, I don't care what it is. How yeah. about that thing you read with the 20 million things that can happen yeah. to you? Right, right, You could right. die of this. You could, have, you could have a stroke. You could have this. I mean, every bad thing. Also, when mm-hmm. you do get, uh, t- you know, go to the pharmacist and you get uh, Lamictal, whatever mm-hmm. it is, mm-hmm. when you read, it tells you every bad thing that can happen. Sure. So why do they do that? So you know. Right, right. So I'm not understanding this at all, but, you know, I'm glad you're doing something about it. I am. I'm glad you're doing something about it um, at, at, our, at our facility. And once again, if you are listening to the show right now, Epilepsy Foundation of Western and Central PA, make a contribution. Now, you just heard this topic. Uh, Peggy, what's that website again? Um, www.efwp.org. And, Peggy, when they go there, is a place to donate? There is a place to donate, absolutely. Um, you can just look for the donate button online. It's, there's one on our home page. Um, and I, I wanted to mention, too, Joyce, that we just went back to doing a print newsletter. If anybody's interested, they can... Um, access that online or they can call. I'm going to give our 800 number if that's okay. Yes, go um, ahead. They can call our office at 1-800-322-5885 and we'd be happy to send out a copy. Um, you know, everybody went to electronic newsletters a couple of years ago <laughs> and we've heard from a lot of people that they really just miss getting the printed copy of the newsletter. Um, so, I don't know how many times a year we'll be able to do it, at least two or three, I hope. Um, And so we just, for the month of November, um, came out with with a new print version of the newsletter that was just delivered last week. So if anybody's interested in receiving a copy of that, again, our number is 800-322-5885. And... I love that. I'm one of those people. You know, I want to be able to show people in the office. I'm not going to walk around with my laptop. So I'm glad you're doing that. I am. I am really glad you're doing that. And you heard it. By the way, your website, if I'm correct, don't you also have um, uh, Spanish? Um, We do have some resources at the bottom, and we have some resources in Spanish that are available at the office. Um, and we have another little website that we just launched, too, if people are interested in visiting that. Joyce, it's called um, Picture It Purple. I don't know if we've talked about that at all. Um, we just launched it towards the end of the summer. Um, it's kind of fun. It's called um, Picture It Purple. It's just www.pictureitpurple. And um, you can access that online, and it's basically just... Um, stories about things that people are doing locally to promote epilepsy awareness. So the whole site is just dedicated to um, moms, dads, um, families, people who are involved in the epilepsy movement who are doing things to promote epilepsy awareness in their local communities, Um, everything from the purple pumpkins at Halloween to um, families that have gone out and turned you know, bridges and and um, fountains in their local community, purple, and um, just really cool stories about things that people are doing to promote epilepsy awareness in their local communities. And we're, we're hoping that people will, you know, get on and share their stories and share their ideas and, and that sort of thing. 
So folks might be interested in, in checking that out as well. Picture it purple. Wow, that's awesome. I love that, yeah. Peggy. I do. I love that. And you know what else I love? I love the Mardi Gras. <laughs> Everybody and loves those the Mardi of you Gras. Listen, if you're in the Pittsburgh area, actually any anywhere, but if you're in the Pittsburgh area or, you know, Western Central PA, uh, this is the event of the year. I'm not kidding you. This is the gala of the year. Everyone talks about the Mardi Gras. What I could not believe last year is before the invitations went out, it was sold out. So, I mean, this is spectacular. Peggy, why don't you talk about it, when it is, and also, if you're a company listening, uh, how you can get involved. Sure. Um, the Mardi Gras Gala this year, it's always on Fat Tuesday. So this year it will be February 17th. Um, we always have it at the Weston uh, Hotel, Weston Convention Hotel um, here in Pittsburgh. It is um, just a big old party. This year um, we will be honoring uh, David Malone of Gateway, the CEO from Gateway Financial, will be um, honored as King of the Mardi Gras. Um, he's done a lot for the community, and we're thrilled to be honoring uh, Mr. Malone. Um, the event is just a, a wonderful, spectacular evening. Um, features everything from um, a Dixieland band and chocolate martinis and really great hors d'oeuvres during the, the uh, cocktail reception <laughs> with jugglers and, and guys on stilts during the cocktail reception to um, a live band and a Creole dinner um, during the, the dinner event. Um, just Amazing masks and beads and um, fun confetti and like just it just goes on and on and on with oh the decorations. Oh my god! I mean, I can't even describe this. <laughs> First of all, it's a black tie dinner. Number two, every like different CEOs, prominent people in Pittsburgh, they're there. Like people even tell me, you know, Joyce, I'll see you at the Mardi Gras. Yeah, you know, it's CEOs, like a who's who. That's for sure. Everyone you could think of is there and it's spectacular black tie gala with chocolate martinis with these masks that are unbelievable i mean beautiful everything about the whole evening is just spectacular and then they crown the king of the mardi gras And that will be, of course, Dave Malone, who absolutely deserves this. He is a great person, great community leader. Uh, We're all probably wondering why we didn't think of this a long time ago, but he (laughs) is awesome. Um, Okay, so Peggy, if someone's wanting to go, what can they do? They can get in touch with us at the office. They can, um, probably the best person to ask for is either myself or Colleen Fulkerson. Um, and we will get the the information to you immediately. Um, and um, the the um, Colleen's email is cfulkerson at efwp.org. Um, our direct line is four one two three two two five eight eight zero. Um, and we'd be happy to invite you to our kickoff breakfast at the Duquesne Club, which is always phenomenal. This year it's going to be on December 9th. 
Um, so if someone's interested, they might want to attend that breakfast as well. Um, you know, there's nothing like Eggs Benedict at the Duquesne Club. So. <laughs> well, um, another spectacular. Uh, oh, I mean, everything about this. I love, <laughs> I, I'm just going to tell you, I love it. Uh, but one other thing, and I'm going to get this news out, Small Manufacturing Council. You know, uh, there are more jobs created with small businesses in, across the country than, than with large corporations. We're an example at Bender Consulting Services. But I just wanted to mention, you know, this would be a great event to get your company involved with. So, once again, February 17th, right here in Pittsburgh, um, you can get in touch with the office, www.efwp.org. And, hey, if you're out of Pittsburgh and you can make it, let me tell you, can't believe how awesome it is. You will not be disappointed. It is just an awesome event. And although he could not be here, I have this special email uh, because he's on a plane right now. Tony Quello wants me to read this to you. Peggy, I am so proud of you in this role. I know you will take the Epilepsy Foundation of Western and Central PA to an even higher level. We're behind you. Love you, Tony. Oh, that's so nice. Oh, he's well, he made a guy. point of getting in touch with me because he was so upset he was on a plane, so he sent this to me to read. And thank goodness I remembered, or he would say, did you remember? So thank goodness I did remember. Uh, but as you all know, you know Tony's the author of the ADA, my mentor, and, of course, a person uh, living with epilepsy, and he takes all this so seriously. So I wanted to make sure that I did read that to you. Well, that's so, Peggy, so nice. here you are. I have an idea what you're going to say, but um, you are a very giving person. I mean, just so you all know, she is the real deal. I love Peggy. She is the real deal. Um, but, Peggy, who was your role model? Gosh, you know, Joyce, I've been thinking about this so much. I And, you know, it really... I, I, I think that that so, that so changes over your lifespan, you know. Um, you know, sometimes when people ask me that question, I feel like a sixth grader writing an essay, you know. I mean, obviously, I worked so closely with Judy Painter for so many years. She, she obviously had a huge influence on my life. Um, obviously, people like you have had just an enormous impact on my life, Um but but you know I really have given this a lot of thought and I and I um, I want to tell you that you know kind of going back to some of the original questions that you you had asked me um, I have to tell you that I think that um, Jenny Thornburg probably had even though I don't know her well um, she probably unknowingly had more of an impact on me than probably anybody on the planet <laughs> because um, she actually was the first lady um, of Pennsylvania at a time when I was very young, um, just starting out in my career in public policy, um, and, and she was just so enormously influential and so helpful to those of us who were working so hard to try and change um, attitudes about people with disabilities in Pennsylvania, and 
Um, you know, I don't think that I necessarily would have stayed in this business without the kind of encouragement that those of us who worked with the ARC um, got from Jenny Thornburg in those early years. Um, so she really was, I mean, those parents and people, you know, parents like Jenny Thornburg who, you know, kind of came to us and really said, you know, we have to change this system, um, really were the people that made me want to be the kind of leader that I am now, I think. Um, so I think about people like Ginny Thornburg and, you know, you mentioned Justin Dart earlier. You know, th- those people, I think, really had a lot to do with shaping who I am. What a compliment. And I know Jenny Thornburg will be so overwhelmed. She is such a wonderful person and so humble, and that will mean so much to her, Peggy. It really will, will mean so much to her. You're right. She is an absolutely fantastic individual. She really is. So, Peggy, wow, look now how much you've done in your life um, and you've accomplished in your life already, but I wanted to ask you, what, what do you consider your greatest accomplishment? Well, you know, um, I don't necessarily think of my professional life when I think about, <laughs> about my accomplishments, you know, and when I, I really do think about my children, um, when I think about my accomplishments, I have two really pretty phenomenal teenagers at home, um, and I'm really pretty proud of the young people that they are they have become and that they are becoming. So um, they probably are at the top of my list. Um, and um, here, I think. Um, I'm probably, you know, right now I'm probably proudest of the work that we're doing with our federal grant um, in terms of of what we're doing to to, um, um, bring parents together in in leadership roles um, and to expand the the role that parents have in in the leadership of our organization because I just think that's critically important. so some of the work that we're doing because we've had access to the federal grants, I think, is, is really critically important. Yeah, well, first of all, about your children, I think that's great that you feel like that. Um, and, and I will tell you that I think everything you're doing is fantastic. I, I really do. I think we're making so much progress um, and I wanted to just go back to a moment about your website at www.efwp.org, www.efwp, uh, and I want to mention you can make a donation today. Absolutely. And we you can make a donation today and... You can get involved if you're a business or an individual with the Mardi Gras. So, again, what's the website, Peggy? www.efwp.org. So, Peggy, what message would you like to leave with our listeners today? Um, 
you know, I think just join us. Um, join us. I think we're really, like you say, Joyce, I think we're on a fantastic path. I think that every day is a new opportunity for us to deliver this message about one in 26 people who have epilepsy. Um, I, I think that we are really making great strides, and um, we're going to continue to fight this fight against epilepsy, and we are going to win. And I so agree with that. Um, and remember, we're celebrating National Epilepsy Awareness Month. I hope you will take time to go to that website and that you will make a contribution. So we, win, we end every show with a quote from someone that has impacted lives in America or around the world. So today, that just has to be Tony Quello who says, Epilepsy is just part of who I am, and we all know how great he is. Peggy, thank you for being with us. Thank you for having me, Joyce. And listen, Joyce, I want to congratulate you before we go on your award that you're receiving this week from the Variety uh, Children's Charity. I'm looking forward to celebrating with you on on, uh, Friday night. Oh, thank so you. Thank you very really much. I'm really excited that you're receiving that humanitarian award. Um, certainly well-deserved, and uh, we're looking forward to be there to help you celebrate. Oh, that is wonderful. Thank you so much. Well, and, wow, you. that's so awesome you're going to be there. Well, once yeah. again, as I told you, she is the real deal. This is Joyce Bender, America's Voice where disability matters at voiceamerica.com. Don't go away. Come back next week. We'll be here. Voice America would like to thank you for tuning in. Please join us next Tuesday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time for another installment of Disability Matters right here on the Internet Leader and Talk Radio, voiceamerica.com. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network. It's staff and management.